Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly podcast here. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, ACC Ch- Big Ten ACC Challenge uh, took place within the last week, um, as well as the opening of conference play. So a lot of um, games that happened that we want to uh, run through with you, um, as well as kind of the continuation of uh, the early uh, conference play as well with games happening um, this weekend into the weekend. So without further ado, um, we'll dive right in. Brett, starting with uh, big news that's non-game related out of College Park. Uh, Mark Turgeon and Maryland agreeing to mutually uh, part ways um, kind of late in the week. Um, what are your initial thoughts on on this and its timing at such a for lack of a better word, weird time within the season for this news to drop. Yeah, I I think when you when you look at kind of what's going on in, in College Park, I, I don't think it's that that it happened. I think it's when it happened that is the issue, because I think coming from a basketball school like Maryland, the expectations are a little bit higher than what Mark Turgeon has done, despite his pretty understood success at recruiting, uh, hasn't necessarily transferred into uh as much success as Maryland fans would like to see on the court, especially considering you're, you're basically being compared to Gary Williams everywhere you turn. If you're, if you're a Maryland coach, I think nine games or however many games it was into the season, seven games into the season is odd. Um, and I think some of the, some of the context clues you could gather from the different reports like Jeff Goodman and, uh, and guys that were reporting things like that were basically saying that the fan base's expectations were, were kind of what, what got Turgeon to, lead the charge in, in leaving this, this, uh, this, this, the school. And I, I kind of get it. Like the expectations are outsized for the level of success they've been having recently, but you know, Turgeon has not been what, what every Maryland fan thought he would. I just, this hurts like get, getting, leaving, having your coach leave mid season or at the very beginning of the season is not ideal. I don't know why he didn't just leave last at the end of last season. Yeah. I, I think the, from, the tidbits that I'd read, it sounded like Turgeon was defeated effectively by mm-hmm. the weight of the expectations and just the weight of um, him never really being able to take that program into elite territory. Um, this year got off to, you know, what I call a kind of equally weird start with them kind of playing down to their competition um, and, and suffering like a couple of I think head scratching early losses. This seemed bound to happen, you know, maybe it should have happened last year, you know, maybe it was going to happen after the end of this year, you know, maybe it was not going to be for another year. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to lead to, you know, it's a good outcome for Maryland to kind of start over. They've been treading mediocrity for a while. This season's probably going to be painful. Um, But again, looking at where they're at right now, I don't really know how they turn things around from here and salvage a tournament bid, but that's kind of to be determined. Yeah. I mean, they've already had one, one guy uh, say he's leaving James Graham, uh, who was an early enrolled freshman last year uh, is, is transferring and they, they handed the reins over at least for the rest of the season to Danny Manning, who had kind of a lot going for him when he took the job at Wake Forest, but did not live up to any, those any any semblance of those expectations um i think i think a couple things to look for if you're a maryland fan the the pace on your team is going to increase a lot manning's teams at wake forest played really really fast 
some of them ended up in, the t- in like the top 55 in terms of, of tempo. Uh, so they're going to get out and run more. Uh, Maryland's got a pretty solid defensive base. So I think, you know, that, that end of the court should be okay, but I don't think that there's going to be a, a jump start that's, that's triggered by Turgeon leaving that, that Manning kind of carries over into a tournament bid. So yeah, I think long-term, this is definitely better short term. It's, it's not going to be a fun season. And that concludes our depressing Maryland uh, segment of the show. Um, so onto the games for now, um, starting last week with the, the challenge as we promised. So uh, an exciting first game of the challenge um, pitted the Iowa Hawkeyes of going to Charlottesville. Um, and we had talked about them, you know, are they a legit team or not? Had, we're six and zero, kind of at a, an easy schedule um, they went into Charlottesville um, and and dominated early um, had to kind of eke out and survive a, 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 a crazy comeback attempt from Virginia but really good for them to get an early win um, in terms of building that program they're kind of back you know I, I guess there wasn't there hasn't really been the down but you know you thought they'd take a step back this after everything they lost last year but they look like they're um, headed in the right direction, um, especially after that uh, performance in Charlottesville. We'll get to their second game in a second. Um, Illinois also picked up um, an early win in the challenge, although that was to be expected. Um, I think, you know, and Brett, I'll, if you want to add anything on Iowa, feel free to do so in a second. But really that the headline of the challenge was the upset of the number one team in the country that took place on Tuesday when Ohio State knocked off Duke in Columbus. I mean, uh, we we also on Tuesday had Purdue getting a a, a comfortable win um, and some other games that we'll kind of talk about in a second here. But I guess early reactions to, you know, kind of the, the top teams there in those first games on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd mentioned kind of Iowa and they're they're trending in the up in, in a very upward direction, especially offensively. And I, I know we've we've sung the praises of Keegan Murray on this on this program uh, before, but. I don't think, especially if you haven't watched a lot of Virginia basketball, which I understand why you haven't if you're a fan of this program, but scoring 75 points on 57 possessions against Virginia is not like a small accomplishment. That was, and yeah, Iowa had to hold on. They blew, they almost blew a 21 point lead, but they they came out of Charlottesville with a win, which is a very, even with this Virginia team is still extremely impressive to, to kind of put that level of offense on display. Um, so that was, that was a game that really, really impressed me. Um, I caught, I caught a decent amount of the, the, the Illinois game and it looked like it took them kind of a bit to get their bearings. Um, they're still kind of figuring out how to play. They had a lot of, they had a lot of absences that game. Curbelo's still not playing. Um, and, and a few other guys that were, that were, uh, out with various ailments. Um, but again, you know, anytime you can get a win like that in the challenge and Notre Dame is going to be pretty well regarded, I think the rest of the season, um, is, is impressive. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how, where else to go, but Ohio state with probably, I mean, the win of the season so far, um, and granted, you know, you get the home court advantage, the, the, uh, value city arena was, was rocking, uh, which was cool to see, especially, especially for what you wouldn't necessarily think of as a basketball school. They held Duke to 22, 22% from the field in the second half. And given the, the offensive weapons that that Duke has um, is no no small feat. And again, you know, I think we had talked about a, a lot, and I think me, but me specifically about how 
we really need Ohio State really needed their secondary secondary and tertiary options to step up, and we're we're really seeing that. Now. I mean, Liddell is having a, a hell of a season already, but I think Zed Key is really starting to start starting to kind of come into his own and give another option down low that lets Liddell play on the perimeter more. Um, Kyle Young being back helps. Arns is shooting uh, a lot better from from three right now, and uh, you're just seeing the versatility that this Ohio State team has, which I didn't necessarily believe in at first. Other other wacky results that we we may want to hit on quickly. So I guess I don't know what to call this event that took place in Syracuse. Oh God! Uh, but quite the thriller between Syracuse and Indiana going into double overtime. Um, the the pundits in Bloomington will probably like, talk about end of game management and stuff. But um, if, if you're an Indiana fan, like. How do you feel about about this? I mean, you've, this is a winnable game that it probably felt like uh, slipped away from them. But at the end of the day, are you really surprised as like an outsider? No, I, it was it was weird because I, I this game was on at the same time as a couple other games that night. So I was flipping back and forth between um, between each of them. And I would watch Indiana. I'd, I'd flip over to the Indiana Syracuse game and it would look like they'd never seen a two three zone before and they'd go down by double digits. And then 15 minutes later, I checked the score and it was a tie game. So I'm not really sure exactly how it happened. The win, the like win probability graph in this game is nuts um, because Indiana got out to a really, really, really slow start. It, it, it like anyone anyone who's followed Indiana for the past 10 years would immediately point to the game where Tom Crean couldn't figure out how to play against the two three zone, the Syracuse zone in the tournament and cost that team a potential Final Four run. And it, it looked exactly the same. I mean. The, the knock on Indiana all season is going to be, are they gonna, are they able to surround Trace Jackson Davis with enough shooters? And I mean, they, they eventually kind of got there and yeah, I mean, I think if you're an Indiana fan, you're, you're upset that you lose that game, um, especially because Syracuse has been very inconsistent, but you also saw a lot of things you liked. Um, it was their first besides they had a home game against St. John's, but it was their toughest game to date and they took them to double overtime. Trace Jackson Davis is an absolute stud um, Xavier Johnson is, is, is playing better. And, you know, you're, you're seeing Parker Stewart shoot a little better. Miller cop actually had a really good game and kind of showed his zone busting ability. Not that they're going to see that much of that in the big 10. Um, so I think, I think you're not as mad as you would be if you lost that game by 20, but you also could have grabbed it. And I, I don't know about end of game stuff, but because it's also Syracuse and you kind of have to just throw those games out at a certain point. So just a couple of other wacky stats from this game. So, Indiana won the rebounding margin by 15. Um, they uh, they had 14 offensive rebounds, so double digits there, and they had 10 more assists than Syracuse did. So they did a great job of breaking down the zone when they could. Right. Um, however, they had 26 however, turnovers. Yeah. 26 turnovers. 26 turnovers. They turned the ball over 20, so, tw- almost 28 percent of their possessions. So you you roll into Syracuse, you shoot 55 percent. You put up 110 points, granted, uh, in, in double overtime, in two overtimes, and you lose. That that just sucks. But I think, yeah, you know, Wait, it's a microcosm wow. of what's going to continue to happen here with with Indiana. Um, I think the just the other thing to note on as far as Tuesday's action, Minnesota continues to find ways to win, which is just a lovely <laughs> a lovely storyline throughout the season. I mean, they they did it over two and five pit, so take that with a grain of salt, and they only scored 54 points in doing so, but 
um, hey, you know, they're going to start to have some more important games here coming up pretty quickly. And so uh, we'll see if this translates to anything. Um, moving into Wednesday's action, and and by the way, the, the Big Ten won the challenge, so kudos to our favorite conference for shout out, um, shout out the Big Ten. I've I've never had so much conference pride. Yeah, continuing the uh, continuing the the streak. Yeah, conference pride. Yeah, we can we can get into that in a second. I don't know. So frankly, all I really want to talk about with Wednesday's action is the four overtime game between NC State and Nebraska, but. I know we probably all have better things to do than talk about that. You know, I think takeaways here. I don't know. I think I think I think there's enough to be said for like, wow, that game was really poorly officiated because like Nebraska should have had foul shots to win the game at I think the end of the second overtime. I, I forget who I forget who it was. I, it might have been I think Alonzo Verge was driving and just got whacked on the hand as time expired basically, and they they it was a no call. So I could have had that much more conference pride. Fair enough. But anyway, I think Michigan State holds serve in a game that, you know, you probably expected them to win. Um, Wisconsin, you know, goes uh, goes into Atlanta and gets a uh, win over, guess that uh, trivia question, head coach Josh Pastner. Um, and and they keep finding ways to win. Um, and, and Michigan gets demolished on the road at North Carolina. I guess really the question, Brett, of those three games, what what's your like, like what is your most important like takeaway um, looking at those three games in conjunction? I think starting with Wisconsin, just any, any time it's a first, first road trip for basically an, an entirely new team. Um, and yeah, I mean, Georgia tech's going to be one of those teams where they play really ugly basketball. Um, I mean, they have, they have a legit NBA guy in Michael DeVoe and he scored basically 30 points, but he's shooting 63% from three on the season, which is kind of wild. Um, but you know, being, being able to hold serve on the road is, is never a bad thing, despite how ugly it might get, despite how close it might get. Uh, so picking up a, a challenge road win is always good for, especially for a young team that's still kind of trying to figure out who everyone is on the court. Michigan was odd, I think, because that game, it was like a three point game at halftime or something, right? It was, it was, it was a close game at halftime. Then Hunter Dickinson picked up two, two very early, fouls and sure UNC, UNC is a hard place to play this UNC team is better than I thought they would be um I it still should have been a winnable game I I think and then oh Michigan State yeah I think we both we both identified you know Michigan or Louisville didn't present that big of a problem um and I think Michigan State is showing that they're able to beat teams that they should. I think as the point guard play is still an issue, their big depth is definitely an issue, but they're good enough to, to beat the teams that they should. And I, I think Louisville is no exception. So that's kind of it for our coverage of the, the challenge here. Um, conference play started this weekend as well um, with a, a couple of exciting games that kicked us off. I think the first and what everyone was ple- presently uh, surprised at the fact that this was an exciting game. Um, Purdue and Iowa, um, you know, pitted two undefeated teams, and, and Purdue eked out the win. Kind of, you know, Trayvon Williams had a had a pretty good game, 13 and 18 um, on the boards. You know, Jaden Ivey kind of led game. the way. Then was scoring. This this kind of felt like a you know like a, a middle of the season Big Ten game. But I guess you know is the story of this game more about Purdue or, or more about Iowa? 
I so um to to be to be totally open, I did not I was not watching this game live, just seeing some highlights. But um I think the big the big thing is this Purdue team showed if not a like a crack in the foundation, I don't I don't think it's that deep, but you know, you can you can press this Purdue team, and that's how Iowa fought their way back, which is hilarious saying Iowa and good defense in the same sentence because um, that hasn't been true for at least five years. But it, it, it is what happened on Friday. And, you know, there's obviously that's that's why teams press in the in, in college and don't press in the NBA is there's it's still college kids like they're going to make mistakes. But Purdue, now that I hadn't really thought about it before, but most of their guys are not very like very very solid ball handlers um you've got you've got obviously Jaden Ivy but the rest of them like these guys these guys are all very 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 good role players or bigs that you don't want handling the ball and I think that's not that a team is going to press them for 40 minutes because I don't think anyone in the Big Ten has the the athletes to do that but there's a there's a blueprint there if you're if it's a close game against Purdue or if you need to work yourself back in that might be an option going forward, especially because that would neutralize one of the strengths of their team, which is their their size advantage. And you don't want Zach Eady bringing the ball up against a press. So I, th- I think that's that's because, I mean, Purdue went up big early and then kind of fell apart, but regained their composure. So I think I think that's the takeaway from this game. At least I think just the one other thing I'd add, not X's and O's related, but um you know, so Purdue knew going into this game that, you know, they they win and they become the number one team in the country, a weight which they really haven't endured, I think, ever as a program. Um, and we're going to talk about this, I think, you know, in future podcasts when we talk holistically about the conference. Um, it's clearly shaping up to be Purdue and kind of the rest of the field right now. Um, but the one thing that, you know, Purdue has historically struggled with from a program standpoint is the weight of expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's at play here, um, especially not like the, the, you know, West Lafayette was ready to burst last night at, on, on Friday at the excitement of that. But, um, you know, the second that the expectation builds and you get that number one next to you, you know, there's that weight of the of that, that bears down on you. We'll see how a team that really, you know, isn't that veteran um, handles that going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and also just uh, a hearty congratulations to Purdue on their first number one ranking in school history. That's a, that's a big accomplishment. So yeah, I think, I think, I think you make a very good point. I think there's a lot that is, is t- there's a lot to be said for kind of managing that, that target on your back. You're going to get everybody's best shot now. Also, I didn't, I like just realized now that Keegan Murray did not play for Iowa on Friday. So interesting point to monitor. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think Purdue going forward is going to get everyone's best shot every night. And it'll be interesting to see how a team that's not, not very senior heavy, uh, kind of handles that. And then finally kind of recapping the rest of the weekend. So, um, don't necessarily need to go game by game here, but on Saturday, Michigan and Wisconsin both got important non-conference wins at home. Um, not necessarily over ranked teams, but over, you know, what I'd call um, tough tournament um, caliber teams um, Mm -hmm. kind of defending the home court there for Michigan, getting back on track for Wisconsin, kind of continuing their good momentum. Um, And then, you know, kind of into Sunday, um, Northwestern got a big win over Maryland. Um, Minnesota got a road win over Mississippi state as they kind of continue this weird season. I mean, Ohio state held serve as well. So, um, you know, I think the, the takeaway from the rest of this weekend was, um, kind of upstarts, you know, like Northwestern and Minnesota continuing their run. 
Um, and then kind of the, the favorites and more of the upper middle of the conference holding serve. Uh, but any other takeaways from the, the games the rest of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I Minnesota, I mean, not not much we can say besides hell of a job by them. Like it, it takes a lot to kind of get this co- this sort of cohesiveness from essentially a team full of transfers. And uh, Ben Jacobson's been doing that. I mean, these these guys look like they enjoy playing together. They look like they they're all on the same page. And I mean, granted, they're going to get out talented at a certain point. But this Mississippi State game, I think maybe maybe a little bit of an overperformance relative to what we can expect. But, you know, that's 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 a, a hell of a win. And that's something for Ben Johnson to really, really build on going forward. And, you know, you mentioned Northwestern. We haven't really talked about them that much. Um, and I think because they they're they're. Uh, their schedule so far has been not really much to write home about. They've lost their two, their other, their other two like real quote unquote games. Um, but you know, going into college park and winning is never easy. And granted, you know, there's, there's the qualification of this was Danny Manning's first game, but Maryland's still a talented team and, and to go in there and, and win handily is, is, uh, is impressive or not handily, but you know, they, they were in control most of the game, but, and, uh, and we're able to pull it out. Uh, Michigan again, good, good to get back on track. Um, San Diego, that San Diego State win is going to look good come tournament time, and uh, you know Wisconsin still gets it done. Um, there, I think the big is just because that's the game I watched most intently. It's it's good to see the as as from the perspective of a Wisconsin fan, um, the guys like Stephen Crowell and Chucky Hepburn really kind of start coming into their own and and being more assertive on the court. And I think that's that's great for for their, for their futures. And, and honestly, for the, for the team this year, although, you know, I expect some road bumps as we get, as we kind of grind towards conference play. We have some big games coming up both in conference and out of conference this next week. Um, so wanted to hit a couple of those um, just so you guys are ready. Um, and then kind of, you know, really after this week, kind of get the lull in, um, you know, around the holidays where, you know, there'll be less games to talk about. And then, you know, we are going to be an all-in-conference show, kind of starting New Year's out. So I'm um, excited to kind of see the twists and turns that come there. But um, kind of rolling through some of the key games uh, coming up this week here. So Illinois at Iowa. We just talked we just talked about both of them, frankly. Um, Illinois seems to be trending up after kind of struggling to start um, without Kofi as he was serving his suspension. Um, and they seem to kind of have a little bit of growing pains with Curbelo and the turnover. Seem to have righted the ship with a strong, a strong win over Rutgers over the weekend. Um, and then Iowa, kind of how do they respond after their first loss? Um, I think this is going to be a competitive game. Um, because yeah. Iowa's proven that it's up for the task. Um, and, you know, Illinois seems vulnerable on the road. Um, I think this is going to be a competitive game um, for both of these teams, which will already be playing game number two of their conference season here. Yeah, and and important note, Keegan Murray will be back in the lineup tonight, so that's that that should be should be a good one, and it will be done by the time we post this. So just a just a heads up. And then I think moving to the middle of the week, the game I have circled um, on Wednesday, Michigan State heading to Minnesota. We just talked about Minnesota. Um, this will be a real team, and granted, that win at Mississippi State is as good of a think non-conference win that 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 team's going to have you know particularly on the road there but mm-hmm. big 10 play michigan state that's a different animal um do you see minnesota maybe even just as a layup like question do you see minnesota even being competitive in this game 
You know, it's interesting. So I'm I'm looking at, at the Ken Palm projections here, and they Ken Palm actually projects this as a five point win for for Michigan State. So that's that's interesting. You know, I think Peyton Willis is going to provide a lot of issues for for Michigan State. Um, and I he's he's kind of him and Jamison Battle have been the two guys where where they they have to perform at a high level for Minnesota to win, and they have been um, largely based on the strength of of schedule, but not to take anything away from them. Um, so I. You know, if if these guards can start do can do a lot of damage and and be and penetrate and shoot, I think Michigan State's going to be scrambling on defense a lot. But and, and you know, if they ball, if I think the big thing is going to be what their strategy is to ball pressure uh, um, Tyson Walker and and Hagard and and see what happens because you know, we've already seen Tom Izzo's having some issues with Joey Hauser just in terms of performance and and pulling him, um, but. You know the rest. Of the rest of the roster has been been stepping up in in these wins. Um, you know maybe a closer game than expected against Toledo, but they're they're doing a lot of their damage from inside the inside the arc. They're getting a lot of good quality shots, not forcing threes. Um, so if they can, if I think if if the Spartans can take care of the ball and and work it into uh, like Marcus Bingham and get Malik Hall going, then I think then I think they should be able to uh, to eke out a, a relatively comfortable win. BPI, kind of similar to Ken Palm, gives Michigan State only a 53% chance to win this game. So um, maybe the computers know something that we don't about Minnesota, but um, I guess everybody has been warned, um, you know, now that they're 7-0. The uh, the in-state uh, out-of-conference rivalry taking place in Ames on Thursday night. Iowa travels to Iowa State. At this point, we're like basically turning into an Iowa podcast with how we're with how we're kind of um, singing their praises. The, the only, an, the only anti, the only anti Fran McCaffrey, Iowa podcast. That's what we are. <laughs> so we there. This will be the third game in six days against quality, uh, kind of tournament caliber, uh, teams, you know, if not, uh, teams that, you know, are likely to win in the first round, Iowa state, frankly, probably off to a little bit of a surprising start too. Um, but, I kind of feel like Iowa, you know, may run out of gas in this game. Um, but, you know, Keegan Murray will have his legs back. And so maybe that gives them a little bit of an advantage. But I, I don't know. I, I think the computers actually like Iowa in this game, but I don't know that I agree. Yeah, they do. And this game is also at Iowa State. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that would put. The computers like Iowa by seven on a neutral court. Then I think is if I'm doing the math correctly. Uh, but also should not be should not be overlooked that Iowa State is basically fielding a Big Ten team at this point uh, with transfers Isaiah Brockington and Gabe Kalsher. Um, so if you're ever wondering what happened to those guys, they're at Iowa State. Yeah, I think you know they've got Iowa State has a couple couple good wins uh, over Xavier team and that that's been really competitive uh, that beat Ohio State. Uh, they've beat Creighton and then they beat Memphis, although Memphis is slowly spiraling already. Um, so who knows what that win will look like in March? I just, you know, it's it's always it's always hard to go on the road to your to your rivals' place, especially when it's when it's a game like this where there's so much history. I think as much as it's both it's two teams that have really outperformed expectations so far. I think Iowa State's outperformed them a little bit more. So I I think with with Keegan with the with the uh, caveat that Keegan Murray's back I think that they're not I don't think that Iowa State has an answer for Keegan Murray and I think I think he's the big reason why they pull that game out and then actually what I would 
probably dub as the game of the week. And you know, I'm not going to walk back on that. But I think the game of the week takes place in Columbus on Saturday when Wisconsin goes in there to take on the Buckeyes. Um, I think these look like two top four teams in the conference um, and, and maybe even better than that. You know, it's a 11 a.m. tip. Um, this seems like a Wisconsin type of game, you know, where it's you know going to be about 25, 23 at half. Um, and, you know, Ohio State's had explosive offenses in the past. I don't know that I dubbed this team as one of that. Um, I see this as an ugly, an ugly game here that looks like it's being played in the middle of February, not the middle of December. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see who who controls. Oh, actually, not even really. This game is going to be slow. Uh, Wisconsin's in the in the 330s in tempo, and, and Ohio State actually is clocks in at, at 239 right now. Uh, so they're both going to be deliberate offenses, not necessarily looking to run. But both teams definitely have the ability to, and I think Wisconsin's shown that way more than than their past few teams. But yeah, I if if so, I think if you're a if you're an Ohio State fan, you got to worry about Johnny Davis. That's that's kind of where this whole thing starts, and, and at least it starts for for Wisconsin. Um, I don't know that they have like I mean you'll, they'll probably try Jamari Wheeler on him. Um, I don't I don't really know what else what else they can do. Their wings are not. Uh, I mean, maybe Kyle Young, but then you kind of give up a little bit of height because he'll play the four a lot. Um, so I'm I'm interested to just kind of see how that matchup is, who they stick on Johnny Davis and and how that works. Um, but I mean, if you're if you're a Wisconsin fan, you're really you're terrified of EJ Liddell and you're you're very scared of Zed Key as well because not you know they're not going to be over overly tall guys, but they're just big. They're big and they're physical. They use their bodies extremely well. And the kind of bigs that, that Wisconsin's been rolling out this year, your, your Steven Crowles, your – I mean, Chris Vogt's going to have to play a lot of minutes this game. And he's, as a Wisconsin fan, someone that I'm terrified of touching the ball anytime he's more than three feet from the basket. But he brings that physical defensive presence that that Steven Crowell not, may, might not be able to just given his size. And Tyler Wall isn't big enough to do. So I think I think it's going to be – pretty much do do Ohio State's bigs control the game or are Johnny Davis and Brad Davison and Chucky Hepburn going to be able to kind of attack from the wings and, and use use dribble penetration to kind of create open looks for other guys. So I, I, I'm very I'm very interested, even even if I was a neutral observer, um, I think this is I think you're right. This is this is the game of the week so far. Not to be outdone, uh, two other non-conference games that I would um, advise you guys take a look at. Um, number one, Arizona heads to Champaign, which Arizona now all of a sudden looks like a legitimate uh, team, which I don't know that people would have bet on at the beginning of the year. Um, it's a nationally televised game on Fox. Um, Arizona up to number 11 in the rankings. Uh, again, that may be a little bit too high for them, but um, I think this should actually be a pretty fun game. We'll see if Illinois can keep up and kind of keep control of the ball. That game being at home for them is going to be um, important, but I guess, you know, I don't know what they call this, the battle of, uh, the battle of loot Olson's, uh, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but, uh, uh, that'll be a fun game there. And then the battle of New Jersey on Sunday, Rutgers at Seton Hall, Seton Hall has already taken on a, a, a number of big 10 teams this year. Um, and they look like a, a tough team. That's for real. Uh, we didn't talk that much today about Rutgers. They've been struggling mightily. Um, with things about to fall off the rails, we'll see if they can get back on track and what could be a, a, an important get right game for them. 
um, you know, as they kind of try to write the ship there. Really appreciate everyone kind of tuning in. Um, a lot going on in the Big Ten. Um, in the next couple of episodes, we'll probably have a little bit more of a, a holistic view of the conference. We'll take a pause. We'll reflect back on these first couple of weeks here. And and we'll have a, believe it or not, we'll have a legitimate like uh, standings to be able to look at after taking um, count of what happened over the, the first couple of, of conference games holistically. Um, so really appreciate you uh, tuning in here. And I'll leave it to Brett for the marketing pitch. Yeah. So uh, got anything you want to tell us, uh, ask us, whatever, uh, shoot us an email, big one zero hoops weekly at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at big one zero hoops, W K L Y. Um, we really appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to, to hitting conference play hard. So it'll be, it's going to be a grind, but that's the big 10 way. We wouldn't have it any other way. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.